0: Welcome to the Election 2020 series of The Candidate. We're sitting down with each party leader and putting your questions to them to help you decide who to vote for on February 8th. I'm Christina Finn, political correspondent with the TheJournal.ie, and for this episode, we sat down with Richard Boyd Barrett. We'll go straight to it. We did have one comment, firstly, from Bill George and Dunleary, who wanted to compliment your performance in the debate the other night, Richard. But meanwhile, Keith O'Connor wanted to say he's struggling to get on the property ladder and wanted to know what plans you had in that regard.
1: There's a number of things, because we've got to do several things to solve the housing crisis. But we've got to do them very, very quickly, in my opinion. First of all, we need to build a public housing uh, to clear the lists, and that will actually help... Uh, the caller because at the moment too many people, because there's no social housing, are being driven into the private rental market and then people who can't afford to get on the housing ladder are also being driven into the private rental market and rents are going through the roof and therefore people who are trying to save for a deposit can never save because they're paying rents that are too high. So actually it would help everybody, not just those on the housing list, but people who are renting and people who are hoping to buy uh, to clear the lists and bring down rents. Uh, But beyond that we would actually like to control rents as they do in uh, most of Europe and even in the United States and actually bring rents down to affordable levels in terms of people's um, uh, incomes. And then another important point is to actually deliver affordable housing on public land not just public housing but affordable housing and by affordable we mean genuinely affordable not the 350,000 that uh, Owen Murphy is talking about But What,
0: the, what kind of affordable? Well the it?
1: state can build houses at, at the cost of about one hundred and seventy to 200,000 so some of those should be public housing but some of those should be affordable to purchase uh, and you could do them at cost price right so that would be actually affordable for your average worker and the final piece we would say is that we own two banks, the state, the people own two banks, the um, AIB and the permanent TSB, and they are charging extortionate interest rates well above the uh, European norms or indeed the cost of money. So we would like to see the state uh, basically force those banks to lend money to people for mortgages at proper rates, at decent rates, not the extortionate rates. I mean, people... Uh, might be interested to know that if you borrow for a normal house about 300 350,000 here you will pay 56,000 euro more than your in European, European counterparts for the same loan over the term the 30 year term and how, so, how
0: would you force that through legislation by giving central bank uh, more powers to control these areas
1: uh, we we would get the the government to exert its control as the major shareholder uh, and actually f- change the policy of the banks. I mean, they have a hands-off uh, approach to the banks. And we don't understand it. What's the point in the public owning banks, having bailed them out to enormous cost, if we're not actually going to exercise any influence over their policies?
0: And on the issue of rent freeze <coughs> now, you seem to have uh, a good few parties um, following that call. Um, what's your view in terms of Fianna Fáil, I suppose, backing that at the last minute and then somewhat flip-flopping on it throughout this general election campaign. Yeah, well you
1: know, Fianna Fáil, they sometimes call us populists, which I always think is funny because we're actually consistent in all of our policies if you look back over the years whether it's rent controls, public housing a National Health Service, you know, opposition to water charges, you name it. Uh, Fianna Fáil on the other hand, stick their finger up and see which way is the wind blowing when it comes to an election and whatever way the wind is blowing you can be sure Fianna Fáil will say they're going that way too, but uh, does it mean anything uh, after the the election? I think experience would tell us no. So I would say to people, you know what you're getting with people before profit and solidarity. You mightn't agree with everything, but we're consistent, we're campaigners, uh, and we won't let you down uh, about things that we've said we'd do.
0: Uh, another question came in um, in relation to the pension issue, and that was sort of the surprise election issue um, that came up in the last number uh, of weeks. Um, And he said, does anybody have any interest in the circumstances of the old age pension, Uh, which he obviously falls in. He said, every year since I retired, my income through pension has shrunk while the cost of every necessary item keeps rising. He said, we read regularly that the fiver for pensions in the budget, um, but there was no fiver in the uh, the budget in October. And then the fiver... Um, is a misnomer. He said it's never kicked in until the six months or into the 12 months from the budget. So he seems to think that, um, you know, the pension, I suppose, the grey vote is something that the larger parties are targeting. And he's obviously interested to know what your view is and people before profit
1: Well, again, I would say we're the consistent ones in this regard. First of all, we opposed the move to push the pension age to 66 when it was done by the Fine Gael Labour government, although it had been agreed in principle by the Green Fianna Fáil government prior to that. We opposed it. And we are the only party, and I really want to stress this, who in every single budget submission we've put in since that uh, increase happened, have budgeted to restore it to 65 so there's, again, in the teeth of an election, there's people who are suddenly saying we're for reviewing the pension age increase. We are the only party, and I, you know, the journalists can fact check this mm-hmm. one, who in their budget submission for 2020 actually budgeted to restore the pension age to 65 and to increase the pension. And we proposed uh, and still propose that it should go up to 260 for everybody, a significant increase in the pension, uh, as well as more general increases in social welfare uh, rates. And beyond that, we would like over time to redirect money that's currently going in tax breaks to uh, private pensioners. Now, don't don't get me wrong, I don't want to attack this, 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 the, the sort of low-income uh, people who save for pension, but most of the tax breaks for pensions in this country are going to the super-rich. It's a way they avoid tax. We want to redirect those pension, you know, close those loopholes and redirect that money towards increasing the state pension. And if, if we did do that, we could dramatically increase the state pension so that people could retire at a reasonable age and enjoy a decent standard of living in their latter years.
0: Well, this reader seems to think that parties somewhat play with pensioners when it comes to election time. There's promises, and even at budget time, promises here and there. How can they not say that perhaps people before profit are just making those sort of promises as well to them?
1: Because I think we've been consistent on it. Um, I mean, to refer to my earlier point, that... uh, All of them are now talking about it because it became an issue. And actually, I frankly credit People Before Profit for it becoming an issue uh, because it it hadn't been mentioned by any of the pre-election commentary, but I brought it up at leaders' questions on December the 11th and I was prompted to do so by the French protests. Uh, but it was in our policy from October and indeed every previous uh, year, whereas you won't find that with any other party. Was it
0: something that was coming up, uh, like with constituents, or is this something that no. people were kind of just... Uh, no, they weren't aware into. of
1: and yeah. I, I think we played a big part in ringing the alarm bells because I think most people had forgotten it was going to go up to 67, 68 and we brought it up in the doll before Christmas because of the French protests and it just prompted us to remind people something that they'd probably forgotten that it was due to go up to 67 and then 68 in the former years and uh, I, the the, the, uh, the, leader's questions that I did went viral on on Facebook because people went, what? I didn't know that yeah. uh, and I didn't know that most of Europe are retiring at 61 or 62 whilst we're going to be retiring at 68. And I pointed out in that leader's questions in December that that's against a background where Irish workers are the most productive anywhere in Europe. So they work harder, they've contributed massively to economic growth, they pay their PRSI and yet their pension entitlements were going to be the worst in Europe. Uh,
0: another question came in and this is in relation to I suppose the left uh political parties here in Ireland um and they ask why are the left parties so fragmented um not seen as credible in the eyes of majority of Irish people um you would probably disagree perhaps somewhat with some of that que- questioning but there does seem to be different sections different pockets with similar ideas but not willing i suppose to get in a room together and actually form a powerful block
1: No, I agree with the questioner and I always have Uh, and I would say people for profit have always been the people who've argued that we need greater unity on the left and even in this election I think uh, one of the messages we put out from the outset of this election is that we're facing a historic opportunity for the left to make a breakthrough because more than 50% of people are now looking for an alternative to Finnefall and Finnegale. But the difficulty as the the questioner is, is rightly pointing out is that the left need to block together and I think the first impediment to that is the the insistence of certain parties of the left of continuing to hold out the option of propping up Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael. I think that has wrecked the unity of the left because uh, every time the left have done that, it's destroyed them. Uh, it it nearly destroyed the Green Party when they did it with Fianna Fáil. It very nearly destroyed the Labour Party when it did it with Fianna Gael. Uh, So we believe that if the left are going to genuinely be seen as viable, they have to say we're going to create a left government. We're not going to prop up uh, a centre-right government. Um, But also other parts of the left need to be more united. I mean, we've tried to do that with the alliance between solidarity and people for profit. And I think in the water charges campaign and things like the raise the roof and right to housing uh, campaign, meaning we have combined with other forces on the left we need more of that and even now a week out from the election i would appeal to other forces on the left block together offer people a viable alternative
0: and why hasn't it come to fruition i know it was said even in in the previous election there was a i suppose olive branches going out from different parties and it just it didn't manifest into any anything real or tangible
1: i t- personally i think it's a lack of sort of Uh, ambition Uh, and I don't mean ambition in the narrow personal sense but I mean it's a sort of a pessimism that Ireland is always going to be conservative um, and therefore you've got to kind of pander a little bit to more conservative views and I think that's a mistake because I think actually there's a new generation, we saw them uh, particularly around repeal and marriage equality, we're seeing it with the climate strikers there's a whole new generation and it's even then affecting older people who are also wanting to break from the old politics of the past so to me, this is the moment when uh, we could seize the opportunity for a whole new political landscape where the left become a viable prospect for people. But I do think it's that sort of yeah, pessimism uh, that has infected the left for a long time.
0: Um, I was worried as well that there was a press conference held um, this week where you were appealing to Sinn Féin not to um, prop up Fine Gael yeah. and, and Fianna Fáil. And it, it did seem to be that... Your your grouping were sort of admitting that a lot of the voters might be moving over to that side, um, and the reality might have been facing in the last week or so. Is is that the case? Is it?
1: I mean, I, no. I, yes, yeah, sorry. Yes. I mean, I think the the, the message which we put out and it was the slogan of our campaign, which is break the cycle of Fina Gael and Fina Foll. Has really resonated with people. Um, and it's worth saying that when we put that out, we launched our campaign, the narrative was it's only a choice between Finnfall and Finnegale. And I think our message has resonated, but sort of ironically, probably at the moment the biggest beneficiaries of that have been Sinn Féin because people say well Sinn Féin are bigger than you so they might be the more viable option for uh, knocking you know landing a blow on Fianna Fáil and Finnegale. what I would say to people and I think many people are still undecided on this is I think you're, you're be- you know I'd like to see all of the left parties do well but I do think people before profit uh, are the ones to go for because I think we're consistent and we're not going to take that appetite for change. Change and then squander it by going in with Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. And we're the only ones who are saying that. All the other parties to the left are leaving open the option of propping up Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. And I just think that's not what people are voting the, for those parties for. And they will be bitterly disappointed if it happens. They'll let people down and it will actually uh, hold back the prospect of a radical transformation of the Irish political landscape.
0: Does uh, People Before Profit... Want to be in government at some some stage? Because I suppose you're saying there that you're consistent, but if you're going in to a coalition, which uh, say would be uh, say that was a possibility, you would have to compromise on some of the things that are in your manifesto.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, yes, we want to be in government, but not for the sake of being in government, but in order to actually achieve real change. And I think the problem is that people often jump into government just for its own sake and then they end up compromising in a way that badly lets down and demoralises their supporters. We're not going to make that mistake, uh, which the left have made throughout the history of the state. I mean, the Labour Party are so weak in this country compared to their European counterparts because they keep doing it. and I don't understand why they keep doing it. Uh, And the Greens have similarly uh, made that mistake in the past. So, uh, and I... would the other thing I would emphasise is that the big changes tend to come from grassroots movements of people power uh, not just from parliamentary speeches or parliamentary arithmetic. I mean a repeal happened because of a mass movement. The water charges were defeated because of a mass movement. The campaign to stop the forests being sold off, which we were very much involved in, happened because of mass protests. Marriage equality happened because of, you know, grassroots campaigning. The climate agenda has come to the top because of the student, school student strikers. So people power is the key, and you can use the platform as people power to bring real change. So I would say stick to your principles, build social movements for change. And yes, if that can then translate into a left government, excellent. But, you know... don't uh, betray that sentiment for change by just jumping for a ministerial seat for the sake of it.
0: Um, One other question, and I think it's from Joan O'Neill here, and she said, why isn't the chaotic health service being discussed more? And she said she's rather upset that it hasn't featured as much uh, in this election campaign. I think there was some criticism about the TV debate that you were on, Mm. that that issue uh, wasn't raised. uh, Perhaps they ran out of time and it was briefly touched on in, in other debates. But a huge issue uh, as well as the housing
1: one. She's absolutely right. And we were disappointed because it was due to be there on the... Uh, it was on the list of questions that were due to be asked. But that was a decision RT made. I think they probably did run out of time. Uh, but she's absolutely right. It's one of the biggest crises. Uh, it's huge for us in Dunleary because there's a threat to St. Michael's Hospital at the moment of being run down. So that's a big matter of concern. But more generally uh we need to do something radical to address the trolley crisis the huge waiting list the problem with home care packages not actually uh being given out to people at all even though they're entitled to them uh the you know the cost of nursing home care there's so many different issues disability issues is huge and it's coming up on the doors a lot right I mean special needs provision lack of access access to public transport for people with wheelchairs. You can go through the list. So these are issues that should be coming up and I hope in the last week uh, they will. Our view is we need a national health service. We need health that is delivered on the basis of medical need not on the basis of the size of your wallet where some people get premium health care and other people get uh, a trolley or a waiting list. Are
0: you supportive of slantia care? Do you think it would ever come true? Yeah, I mean,
1: I think it's a step in the right direction in that it's about trying to remove the single tier and uh, the double the two-tier system uh, and give universal care. I'm, I would go further and have a national health service because i still worried the Sláinte Care leaves the door open to private health insurance. Uh, and I think that's just money out of the system for profits that should be going into frontline care. But certainly slauncher Care is a step in the right direction away from what is a completely inequitable uh, and dysfunctional uh, two-tier system and at the moment. And
0: on the issue of consultants, um, that was something that um, was discussed before the election came about in terms of attracting more consultants from abroad um Simon Harris has pledged that if they work in public hospitals they will get a salary of 250,000 but some of your policies would probably um hit their them with the with the big tax um how do you reconcile us with yeah. getting more doctors into the system but also perhaps taking away a good bit of their pay packet. Yeah,
1: it's listen, it's a tricky one. Uh, I won't deny it's a tricky one. The, uh, first of all, we are for public-only contracts. Again, the government have come around to that in the teeth of an election. We've been arguing that forever. Uh, so this, you know, uh, business of private uh, work being done in public hospitals has to end. Um, and we need, you know, if you want to work in the National Children's Hospital, right? It should be a public-only contract, and that's an opportunity to force consultants, if they want to work in that hospital, to to do public-only work, and that would that would expand capacity generally within the public uh, public system. I, I also think we shouldn't be totally unfair on consultants. I think some consultants are go- opting for the private system because the conditions are so bad in the public system. Uh, so it's not just about money. Nurses will tell you the same. There's a lot of nurses is going to work in the private sector because the conditions are better, so we need to make conditions and pay better for nurses and doctors. But to be honest, yes, I think we might have to make a compromise, which would be a little difficult to stomach for socialists, uh, to pay the consultants or negotiate with the consultants, pay for public-only contracts. That has to be a red line, but uh, come to some sort of agreement about pay levels that can actually bring them back into the public system.
0: That's great, uh, Richard. I really appreciate you taking the time to go through some of our readers' questions. Um, Best of luck on the campaign trail. But I suppose one last question we'd Mm. have to put to you Mm. is um, some people were complimenting your dabbing style throughout the doll, (laughs) And would they see a repeat of that if if you do win your seat back? Uh,
1: Well... I mean, I was put up to that by my teenage son uh, who said, you know, if you did that, uh, young people might actually tune in and listen to what you're talking about. Uh, So whether I'll do a dab again, I don't know. But but there is a serious behind behind it, which is I think there's a bit of a youth quake going on. uh, And we... It, very much we need to kind of connect into that and listen to what the young people are saying, because young people are going through some pretty difficult times at the moment. Big mental health issues, there's big issues of, you know, uh, problems with drug use, uh, and a lot of that is because we're not really listening to young people, we're not putting supports in for them, we're not giving them alternatives. I think the education system needs radical reform to really kind of uh, you know, be compatible with the with the outlook of our, our, our young people. So that's a big area and I absolutely am committed to that because I think the young people you know it's a cliche they're the future but actually they're the radical force in our society at the moment and we need to listen to them and harness their energy Well
0: we look forward to future dabbing perhaps in Leinster House who knows (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today Richard
1: Thanks Christina
0: Thank you for listening to The Candidate with me Christina Finn Thanks once again for all your questions and sorry if we didn't get to include yours We'll be putting your questions to another party leader in the coming days If you'd like to listen back to our interview with Mihal Martin or Brendan Howland, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced and co-edited by Laura Byrne. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts, and more importantly, share with a friend you think will enjoy them.